Friends, it's good to be with you uh, this morning and thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's hard to believe that another uh, week has passed. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's over a month now uh, since we've met together there uh, in the Lifeboat Fellowship. And thank you for tuning in on another uh, Sunday morning to listen to the Word of God. If you have your Bible with you, uh, we're turning to John's Gospel, please, this morning, chapter 12, and reading together a few uh, well-known verses. And just before we do that, uh, we're going to bow in a very brief uh, word of prayer and you ask the Lord to uh, speak to you just as we open uh, the word of God. Father, we just bow in thy presence this morning and we thank thee that we can come and ask for thy help and pray, Lord, that thou would minister to us and through us. And Father, that thy people will be encouraged and fed and instructed from the word of God. And above all, that thy son, the Lord Jesus, would get all of the glory. We ask it in his precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. John's Gospel, please, chapter 12, and commencing to read at verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this, for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. And we know that the Lord will add his blessing uh, to the reading of his word uh, to our hearts again this morning. It's this lovely passage that I want to draw your attention to just for a brief moment or two as we gather around the word of God and even as you're in your home that the Lord will minister to you and even to give you some food for thought uh, during the in, uh, coming uh, week. You know, the Lord Jesus uh, often retreated to this little location called Bethany. And I want you to think just for a moment or two of the place, the place that these people were gathered. It's called Bethany. And Bethany had a special place in the heart of the Lord Jesus. It was two miles from Jerusalem, on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. Uh, it's a lovely uh, small little hamlet. And it was to this place that the Lord Jesus so often retreated. You know, there was many places where the Lord Jesus went in his earthly ministry where he wasn't welcome. You'll remember, of course, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, whenever he uh, delivered and released the man that was bound by a thousand demons, the, the demonic of Gadara, that the men and women of the Gadarenes came and it says, and they besought him that he would depart from them. He wasn't welcome. Then, of course, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, you'll read of an account when he came to a village of the Samaritans and it says, and they did not receive him. He wasn't welcome. And that's just like the world today in which we live. The Lord Jesus to them is not welcome. He's not wanted. And they, like those of the Gadarenes, would beseech him to depart from them. But while this could have been said of many places where the Lord Jesus went in his earthly ministry, it couldn't have been said about Bethany. Bethany was the place that we've already mentioned the Lord Jesus went to time and time again. A.W. Pink said 
It was a place, an oasis in the wilderness, somewhere where he could retreat and refresh his soul from the attacks of his enemies. And you know that word Bethany is a lovely word and there's two meanings to the word. First of all, Bethany means a house of sorrow and of grief. And of course it was there where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. It was there where Lazarus died. It was there where Mary and Martha grieved the, the death of their husband or the death of their brother Lazarus. The house of sorrow and the house of grief. They knew all about bereavement. They knew about weeping. They knew about pain and separation. And it's lovely and it's a precious thought for you and I as the people of God to encourage our hearts this morning that it was to this house, the house of sorrow, that the Lord Jesus went. And not only did he go to Mary and Martha's house in the time of sorrow and grief, but he'll come to your house and to my house in the time of bereavement, in the time of death, and in the time of separation. And I'm sure at this time in lockdown there's many husbands and the lost their wives and they're lonely and it's a time of grief and separation and sorrow and the wounds are still there and wives and have lost their husbands and vice versa and for you at this time it could be a house of sorrow a house of grief well dear child of God let me minister to your heart this morning that not only did he go to Mary and Martha in their grief but he'll go to you in your grief the Lord himself shall draw near You know, the Lord Jesus knew all about sorrow and he knew all about grief. He was the man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. Isaiah the prophet reminds us in Isaiah 53 that sorrow and grief were ever at his side and that's why he can come and assist and aid and help and encourage you and I. I've been looking recent days at the sighs of the Saviour and the cries of the Saviour and the groans of the Saviour. He was the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he came and comes to the house of sorrow. But not only does Bethany mean the house of sorrow and grief, it also means a house of poverty. And to this day, Bethany is a little hamlet marked by poverty. You know, there was no kings or no royalty or no dignities ever wanted to go or needed to go to Bethany. And yet it's precious to discover and realize that the Lord Jesus, the King of glory, he went there. And he went there time and time again to the house of poverty. He condescended to men of low estate. You know, the Lord Jesus knew all about poverty. Paul, whenever he was writing in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be made rich. He was born in poverty. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem, laying among the straw of the cattle. It says that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, and that word swaddling clothes is the words of rags. He knew what it was to be wrapped in rags. You know the Lord Jesus, the King of glory. Can you picture him born in poverty? wrapped in swaddling clothes and in rags. But not only was he born in poverty, he lived in poverty. You'll remember he had to ask to be shown a penny. There was many a night where the Lord Jesus lay under the open canopy of heaven. His hair was wet with the dew of the night. 
He could say the foxes of their holes and the birds of the air of their nests and the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. He was marked by poverty. Then, of course, he borrowed a donkey and borrowed another man's tomb. The Lord Jesus came to the house of poverty. It shows his humility. The King of glory who came and stooped, he bypassed Jerusalem with all of its religion, with all of its money, with all of its prestige, and came to Bethany, the house of sorrow, the house of grief, and the house of poverty. Ah, he condescended to men of low estate. And I'm glad this morning that he's my saviour. And he comes and he dwells and lingers with us and he assists us and helps us and he abides with us. But not only is there the place where they met, let me say something about the purpose that they met. It says in verse 2 that they made him there a supper. They made him a supper. The Lord Jesus in this little home in Bethany was the centre of attraction. It's lovely whenever you find a group of God's people and they want to give a portion to him. They had something to give him. They didn't come to ask. They didn't come to seek. But they came to give. Ah, friends, it's good to ask and it's good to seek. But we need to give thanks unto the Lord. We need to give praise and worship and adoration for all that he has done. How he loved us. How he died for us. How he saves us. How he keeps us. And how someday he's going to call us home. We need to be a people with a portion to give to the Lord. You see he was the centre of attraction. This little company came together just for him. It was all about him. And you know friends does that not speak to our hearts? So often we can eulogize and exalt men, eulogize and exalt denominations and meetings and even one another. And we can take the attention and the attraction away from the person of Christ. Well, in this little home in Bethany, the Lord Jesus was the center of attraction. He, he had his rightful place. He was in the midst. You know, we can love the message more than the master. We can love sermons and songs more than the savior. We can love the, the theme of revival more than the Redeemer. We can love even the lost more than the Lord. We need to have that high appreciation and adoration in our hearts for the Lord. And we mentioned that the other Thursday night in 1 John 4 and in 19, the apostle says, we love him because he first loves us. And you know, those that are forgiven much will love much. And that's why we must have a, a deep adoration and love in our heart for the Lord, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the pleasures of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer and Saviour art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. And I asked you this morning, dear child of God, not how good your knowledge is of the book, or even how much service you do for God, but how much do you love him? How much do you worship him? How much do you adore him? How much has he the attention and the attraction of your soul? You see, Lazarus was in this house. Lazarus was the man that was dead. He was the man that was four days dead. He was on the other side for four days. And men and women in this little home could have been interested in Lazarus. Lazarus, what did you see? Lazarus, where did you go? Lazarus, what did you hear? And yet Lazarus never said a word. Lazarus didn't want to steal the attention, the glory, the attraction from Christ. 
Oh, doesn't that convict us at times? Doesn't that uh, humble us as so often it's us and what we have done and what we can do? And Christ is pushed to the sideline. We get a big man, a big testimony, a big, uh, big organization, and Christ is forgotten about. Not so in Bethany. But then, of course, there was Simon the leper. He was here. Simon was the man that was cleansed by the Lord, the leper who was dying and defiled. And the Lord met him and cleansed him and changed him and renewed him. And men and women could have been interested in in Simon. Simon, how did it feel when the Lord cleansed you? Simon, how did it feel when the Lord healed you? But Simon never said a word. You see, they didn't want to steal the attention or the attraction from the person of the Lord Jesus. And they could have sang like those in Psalm 115, verse 1, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. And we need to give glory to the Lord. That was what happened to Uzzah whenever they were bringing the cart back to Jerusalem. He touched the cart. He touched the glory. He stole the glory. And he died in the presence of God. We need to be careful that we don't elevate men. We need to be careful that we don't elevate organizations or denominations or groups. We need to exalt the Savior like never before. And he said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And we need to lift them up. We need to exalt them and praise him and worship him. We used to sing in the children's meetings years ago, it's all about you, Lord Jesus. It's all about you. And I fear that many of us as ministers and many of us as people of God, we've forgotten about Christ. We've pushed him to the sideline. And it's revival more than the Redeemer. Sermons and songs more than the Savior. The lost more than the Lord. We need to get back again to him. And it's all about him. In Job 26 and in verse 14 you'll read that little verse. How little a portion is heard of him. You don't hear much about him today. Don't hear much about the person of Christ. You don't hear much about his beauty, his perfection, his majesty, his power and his glory. I tell you, friends, we need to get back there again. We need to be able to sing like the hymn writer, All that thrills my soul is Jesus. But not only is it the place where they met and the purpose that they met, let me say something about the positions that they took. Because I want to lift out these three people just for a moment or two that were told what they did when the Lord Jesus was in this house in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. We read of Martha. It says in verse 2, And Martha served. You know, Martha was a woman that was marked by working. She was a woman that always was in service. She was serving. You'll remember, of course, way back in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, in her own home. Whenever Mary sat at the feet of the Lord, it was then that Martha, she gave off. And she was, she was uh, cumbered about with much serving. She was serving with drudgery. Uh, but here you find her serving with delight. There's no word of complaint now. There's no word of complaint here. There's no drudgery here. It's just delight. Before she was doing it to be seen. And now she's doing it for the Saviour. Ah, friends, does not speak to us all that whatever we do, whatever we do, oh, may we do it for him and him alone, not to be seen, not to be heard, not to be exalted, not to be patted on the back, not to be praised by men, just for him and him alone. Whatsoever we do, 
And whatsoever our hands find to do, may we do it with all of our might. May we do what we can and do all that we can for him and him alone. Ah, we're a little body. And you know, friends, you can do something that I can't do. And I can do what you can't do. And we we need to work together. We're needed. And even in these days of lockdown, we need to work. We need to do what we can, whether it's praying, whether it's visiting, whether it's phoning on saved and sending tracts and doing what we can. We need to work. The Lord Jesus said in John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh. When no man can work, the opportunity will soon be over to witness. The opportunity will soon be over to pray. The opportunity will soon be over to win the lost for the Lord. And I say to you, mothers, work on. I say to you, fathers, work on for the Lord. I say to you, servants and preachers and elders, work on for the Lord. Work for the night cometh when no man can work. I'm sure if she knew the words Martha could have sang that lovely hymn as she worked in the house of Simon the leper in Bethany. To the work, to the work, there's a labour for all. For the kingdom of darkness and air must fall. And the name of Jehovah exalted shall be. In the loud swelling chorus, salvation is free. The chorus goes on to say, to the work, to the work. And so I say to you this morning, work on. Work for the night cometh when no man can work. But not only was Martha working, we read on and we discover that Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And if Martha was working, Lazarus was watching. He had his eyes upon the Lord. I I can see him sitting at the table and the Lord is there and his eyes are on him. He's watching him. He's close because it says he was one of them that sat at the table with him. Good to be close. Good to be close to the Lord and hear his voice and know his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And Lazarus heard his voice and he not only uh, was watching, but he was listening and he was learning. You know, he was looking at the Lord. Uh, You'll remember what it said of John the Baptist in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 36 says, He beheld the Lord Jesus and said, and looking upon him. John the Baptist had his eyes upon the Lord. Uh, had his eyes upon the Son of God. That's a good place to have your eyes. You remember, of course, the writer to the Hebrews. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Isn't that where you and I so often fall short? We get our eyes onto the sickness. We get our eyes onto the circumstances, onto the situations, and even onto what Satan himself is doing. And just like Peter, as he walked in the water in Matthew 14 or 13, is it there? And he got his eyes onto the waves and the wind, and he got his eyes off the Lord, and he began to go down. He began to sink. And we need to have our eyes like Lazarus. We need to be watching, looking onto Jesus, looking upon Jesus. But then, friends, we are looking for Jesus. We're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said that young Titus, looking for, looking for the blessed hope. Someday soon we're going to be taken out. Someday soon we're, we're going home. Someday soon the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and we'll be taken home to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We not only need to be working 
in these days and doing what we can, but we need to be watching, looking onto, looking upon, and looking for him. But then, of course, we come and we, we read about Mary. It says, then, you'll find it in verse 3, then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus. I, Martha was working, and it's good to work. Uh, Lazarus was watching, and it's good to watch. But Mary was worshipping. And friend, this is a great missing note among us as the people of God. We at times have lacked in the area of worship. You see, uh, Mary came with this alabaster box of ointment. First of all, it was precious. Uh, Judas says that it could have been sold for 300 pence. And Mark's Gospel, he says it could have been sold for more than 300 pence. And that was a whole year's wages. This, this was expensive. This was costly. And you know, friends, this, there was nothing shallow. There was nothing cheap about this. And whenever we come to worship the Lord, we need to come with precious gifts. You remember whenever the wise men came, they came bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. This ointment was precious. In fact, Matthew tells us that it was very, very precious. You'll remember what David said in Second Samuel 24 and verse 24. I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. And she came with this precious ointment for a precious person. Peter said, therefore unto you that believe he is precious. Precious. But not only was it precious, it was pure. Because it says it was spikenard. And spikenard is pure liquid nard. You see at times the, the, the traders and the salesmen, they diluted this, this ointment. And they polluted it to make it cheaper. But Mary didn't go for the cheap option. She got the dearest and the most expensive ointment that she could. She held nothing back. It was pure. Of course, he was pure. He was the one who knew no sin and did no sin. And in him was no sin. Not only was it uh, precious and pure, it was pleasant. This perfume came from the, the foothills of the Himalayas. It came from a far country. And he came from a far country. He came farther than the distance from Israel to the Himalayas. He left the splendors of heaven. And he came down to this old cesspool of sin and iniquity for you and for I. What a distance. And he was precious. And he is pure. And he is pleasant. And she came with this alabaster box. And she, first of all, she bought it. That was someday. Whenever she went through the streets of Jerusalem to buy uh, this alabaster box. Very precious. You can see her carrying her 300 pence and holding it close. Probably all that she had. And she came and she bought it. She wanted to give the best to the Lord. She wanted to give the best that she had. And friends, that's what we need in these days of isolation and shutdown. To give the best to him. Give all that we can to him. But she not only bought it. Secondly, she brought it. She came to this house, Simon the leper's house in Bethany, prepared. 
She knew that he was going to be there and she wanted to bring and she wanted to bring it with her. She wanted to be prepared. And there's a lesson because every time that you and I come into the presence of God, whether it's in the closet, whether it's in an assembly, we need to come prepared. She not only bought it, but she brought it. Ah, but then Matthew tells us she broke it. She bought, brought this alabaster box with the, the precious spike nerd ointment and she, she came to the person of the Lord Jesus and she broke it. She found a man that was worthy of all that she had. And is the Lord Jesus not worthy? Is he not worthy of all that you and I have? Is he not worthy of glory and worthy of all of our praise or worship and our adoration and how often you and I, we rob him of the worship and praise that he's due? You know, she was found one and she was going to give him everything that she had and she bought it and she brought it and she broke it. And John tells us in verse 3 that she anointed the feet of the Lord Jesus. She gets down on her hands and knees and she anoints his feet. You know, the world had nothing to give the feet of the Lord, only nails. Because shortly after this, they were going to pierce his hands and his feet. They saw no value in his feet, but she came with the precious ointment and she poured it upon his feet. She came humbly. She came lowly. She wasn't boasting in anything that she had done. And she came and she poured it at the feet of the Lord. Then Mark Matthew's gospel tells us that not only did she anoint his feet, she anointed his head. The picture of the king. It was shortly after this that they were going to put the crown of thorns on his head. Thorns had no value. And yet she came with this precious ointment that was costly, very costly, and she anointed his head. You know, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, she was wor- he was worthy of all of her praise. Oh, friends, does not not convict us how often or how long has it been since we've just got into the presence of the Lord not to ask not to seek and not to plead, but to give, uh, give worship and praise for who he is and what he has done. You know, every time that you read of Mary, she's at the feet of the Lord Jesus. Uh, you'll remember there in Luke 10, whenever Martha was cumbered about with much serving, she was sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus and she was learning. She was listening to everything that he had to say. In John 11, whenever her brother died, she came and she cast herself at the feet of the Lord and she was weeping. That's a good place to weep. But here she's giving. She's coming to give something back. She gave all that she had to the one that gave all he had. He gave himself a ransom for us. You know, the Lord Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, that she has done what she could. What an epitaph. What a, what a phrase to have written over her life. She had done what she could. Oh, friends, it would not be nice. Wouldn't that be uh, lovely if that could be, that could be said of you and I, that he or she, she did what she could for me. And you know, the Lord doesn't expect anything, anything more or anything less. He doesn't expect us to do what others can do. He expects us to do just what you and I can do and do it well and do it for him. You know, this alabaster box ointment was for embalming the body of someone that has died. And Mary didn't give it to Lazarus whenever he died. No, she kept it for the Lord. And she didn't even wait till he died. She wanted to give it now. She didn't want to wait till it was too late. Ah, friend, don't wait till we get to heaven before we worship him. 
Don't wait till we get to glory until we give him our all. Give it now while we're in the land of the living. And she got down on her hands and her knees and she wiped his feet with her hair and she put her glory at his feet. And you know, isn't it true? Whenever we come and we give him worship, so often it falls back upon us and we carry the fragrance with us and we enjoy what we give to him. You know, I was wondering how long this fragrance lasted. How long did it linger on the person of Christ? Was it there whenever Judas kissed him in the garden? Was it there whenever Pilate scourged him? Was it there whenever the centurion nailed him to the cross? Was it there whenever the thief on the cross looked upon him? And this precious ointment, it lingered. And whenever she brought it, and she bought it, and she broke it, it says the the, the odour filled the house. A lovely picture of worship. The very atmosphere was charged with the fragrance of this precious, pure and pleasant ointment. Oh, that we would learn again how to worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. You see, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea came with their spices, but they waited till the Lord was dead. But Mary did it whenever he was alive. Ah, what a lovely picture of adoration. She did all she could, and she did it when she could. She didn't miss the opportunity, and she came in worship. She came with praise and adoration. And it says, and she poured it, she poured it out. You know, the Lord Jesus poured himself out. It says in Isaiah 53 that he poured out his soul unto death. He gave us all for you and I. And that's why we need to rise in worship. Why we need to rise in praise for all that he has done. You know, the first person that we hear of speaking in this little home is Judas. And while Mary had evaluated the Lord as being very precious unto you, therefore that believe he's precious, Judas thought it was a waste. He asked, why was this waste made? Why was it not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? He saw no value in placing it upon the person of Christ. You know, friends, the world would think that of you and I. What a waste to spend time in his presence, but it's not a waste. And you know why Mary evaluated the Lord as being precious? Over 300 pence. It was Judas that went in and betrayed him for just 30 pieces of silver. What a difference. What a different level of adoration, of praise. And then finally you find not only the place where they met and the purpose that they met and the position that they took, but you find the promise that was made. Because the Lord Jesus said, let her alone. She has done a good work, a good thing she has done. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you that wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that she hath done be told for a memorial of her. It was never going to be taken from her. And friends, whenever we get into the presence of the Lord, not to ask and not to seek and not to beg, but just to worship and give him all of our praise, we're doing a good work. We're doing the best work that will never be taken away from us. I was thinking of that little hymn this morning. Savior, thy dying love thou givest me, nor should I aught withhold. My love from thee, in love my soul would bow, my heart fulfill its vow. Some offering bring thee now, something for thee. 
And friend, I asked you at the end of this little message, how long it has been since you've got alone with the Lord Jesus and just give him nothing but pure, precious and pleasant worship and thanked him and praised him for loving you and dying for you and saving you and keeping. You know, it's a lovely picture of what we're going to do in heaven. For in heaven we're going to work and in heaven we're going to watch him. But in heaven we're going to worship. Worthy is the lamb that was slain who has redeemed us by his own precious blood. And so you can see Bethany was precious to the heart of the Lord Jesus. Oh, may our own homes be precious to him. A place where we work for him. A place where we watch him. And a place where we worship him. And I trust that the Lord will bless this simple word to your heart. And that every one of us will grow in adoration and praise for him. May the Lord bless his word to your hearts. Amen.